Hello, welcome to How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back? I'm your host, Rebecca Lee, and in this episode, I have on stand-up comedian Holly Brown. We talk about a lot. We chat about having to grow up fast, having an addict in our life that we love, the death of her parents, the benefits of family therapy, moving through conflict, and so much more. And uh, Holly's so fucking funny. Throughout this episode, uh, I'm just so excited for you to hear it. So without further ado, this is How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest comedian Holly Brown. Holly, thank you so much for joining me today as we were catching up. I'm like, man, it's been a hot minute since we've like talked, like actually talked and not just been like reacting to each other's like stories on Instagram, like sending hearts and shit. Well, I'm so happy that you're here and I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, So I usually start out the same question for everybody, which is, is there Mm -hmm. a low moment or a challenge in your life that you can think of that you're most proud of overcoming, whether that's in childhood, adolescence, adulthood, yesterday, currently, Mm -hmm. whatever you want. Oh my God. What a fucking question. I know, man. What a good question because it's so hard to answer because it's the obvious one is yes, of course, like (laughs) this year, uh, end of last year, my mom passed away. And it was pretty unexpected. Um, And then this year, about five, six months after my mom passed away, my fiance's dad passed away. Oh, my God. And that was completely unexpected. Like, within a month of getting diagnosed with cancer, he passed away. And so we are also in the process of planning a wedding. A lot has been moved around. And it's just, I never felt the gravity of I've lost my dad before. I don't know why I said before, like you get multiple dads to lose, but I've lost, I lost my dad when I was younger. And so I've been through grief, but then being through grief at the same time as somebody else that you live with and love so much is one of the hardest things I've ever done. Oh my God. Well, first of all, I'm so fucking sorry, man. Like, I mean, it's the hardest thing that a person has to go through. Like it's, it's impossible um and I can't imagine two of you because like obviously you're leaning on each other yeah I mean you just kind of and it's weird when you're in the position of oh my mom died five months ago it's almost like okay you gave me everything that you could then when your dad was alive we didn't know anyone else was gonna die now I wait I want to like my brain says give him everything that he gave you but I mentally and physically can't Mm -hmm. and so you have not only the grief but the guilt and like this tidal wave of feelings of like I can't help this person I love and what how is that translating to him and it's grief is such a it's so complicated yeah when okay so I'm gonna go back to um when did your dad pass my dad died um when I was 20 He had a, this is, this is, I feel like if I laugh at any point, it's because I'm a comedian. Of course. I talk about death on stage. I have many jokes about my dead dad. Um, and it's just like, it's a release. So I'm sure if anyone, whoever's listening to hear me laugh at any point is 
many layers of self-defense probably of course I, I think there's a new ucb show actually that's like the dead dad's club or something that oh, you have shit. to get on it's something like it's, you gotta get on there man <laughs> you gotta, dead that dad, is you the gotta most, do it <laughs> that is the most like we had to step outside of ourselves to recognize that that was kind of nuts because i also was like damn thanks for the tip yeah like, i, I know gotta get this is, your, this is your big break, man. You got to get yeah. on there about your dead dad. Like, fuck, man. But I, you're hey. right. You're right. Like, especially as comedians, like, if you don't yeah. laugh, you cry. Um, and, and also, it's the art form that we use to process our emotions. And right. it helps other people process their emotions and feel less alone. So, no, like, of course you're la- – of course we're going to laugh. Like, that's just Absolutely. how it is. And um, yeah. it, it's like when you live in a space – you're allowed to joke about it. I'm allowed to make all the dead parent jokes I want. I can. Mm-hmm. People don't laugh at them. I'll tell you that. <laughs> wait, they don't well, I have to wait. Which one do they not laugh at? I guess it's hard for people, you to do because you can't like set it up right now. But uh, I figured out on stage how to do um, dead parent material in person. It's a lot harder, but you know immediately if somebody's experienced grief. If they laugh, you're good. Like mm. they've. They've experienced a similar pain, which is sad, but connecting. Um, but on stage, you have to like basically bring up the idea like, oh, okay, you're my parent, my dad is dead, or my mom is dead or whatever. And then the joke is really no longer 100% about the death. It's you're pivoting away from the death without the audience realizing at that. So they'll still walk away and be like, what a funny dead dad joke. But what I'm really doing is just talking about a memory of my dad. Not mm. the fact that he died, you know? Mm, yeah. I just set it up with something, misdirected you to, to a normal memory that anybody would share about their dad on stage. And I then get the, this sounds so mean, I then get the prize of being like, ah, I made you laugh at I dad. tricked you, tricked you, bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I love that. Uh, uh, love the tricking um, with the dead dad. Uh, yeah. So 20, okay, so you're 20. That's young. I'm 20. Yeah. Where I are you? What of, city are you in? I was born and raised in LA. So, okay, so my dad, here. my dad actually worked in film and television, which makes me sound like I grew up rich and I didn't. <laughs> I thought you were about to go and I did. <laughs> I do. I do love a self-aware rich bitch. But that is not I do me. too. <laughs> uh, okay. I, um, I grew up in LA and my dad worked, um, he worked in film and television. He he was a set dresser, so so cool. Not like crazy high on the totem pole, not low on the totem pole at the time in society. You could live a comfortable middle class life, um, but just like any, or because it's the art of whatever the entertainment industry. The second that those jobs dry up, your middle class life is gone. Mm-hmm. So it was a, still a fluctuation for us. Um, and he worked primarily on the show Frasier. And so that's, that was a big part of my life growing up was Frasier. That feels a, that's weird. Cool. That's cool. I have a, I have a Frasier tattoo now. Um, are you like a but, fan of the show or are you like, Oh, fully hated it as a kid. My yeah. dad would like sit us down, have us watch it. And I just remember thinking like, this is all about books and tea. <laughs> I was never I was never like a Frasier person but I also like I feel like I don't have the traditional sorry I'm like fixing my hair as I talk to you uh I feel like I don't have the traditional like comedy 
like sitcom growing up experience. Like I didn't like Friends. I didn't like Frasier. Yeah, you know what I mean? That'll do it. Totally. I, that that's all you need. If you if you were raised with that, you love that, and it's your comfort, and it harkens you back to a place of solace and peace. And if you don't have that, you're like, this stuff's not that funny. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I get okay. it. Fra- okay. Frasier. He works on yeah. it. Great. Yeah. Um. Then when I was about oh god 11 or 12 I think I think 11 he was diagnosed with uh stage four cancer so if you know now if he died at 20 and he's diagnosed with stage four at 11 that's a long time to live with stage four cancer yeah but he uh he was diagnosed with stage four cancer so like we thought he was gonna die pretty quickly and he could no longer work um he was the primary breadwinner my mom had a lot of health issues um which is a kind way of saying she was a drug addict Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh I always like start with health issues and I'm like what are you doing Holly like you posted about your mom dying from being a drug addict it's okay to talk about it like yeah we need to talk about these we do but also like it's your story it's your when you want to say some days you can say health issues and some days you can say drug addict you can do whatever you want I'm always of the mind of like it just I'll think back on it and be like, well, I kind of wish I said the truth. So Mm, I'm going to lead with that. Um, But so there was just like zero money coming in for a very long time. And the only reason my dad got the health care he needed was from the uh, entertainment union health insurance. So thank God he was able to keep that. Um, and he was had that like IOTSE? Was that like IOTSE health? It's, or... it's not IOTSE. Gosh, I, I was such, I was so little. Like I don't know yeah, the terminology yeah, yeah, yeah. as well now. Sure. It, but it was good. M- motion picture. I was MPAA. Okay. MPAA. And he was supposed to die. And they were like, he's going to die. Brace yourself. Buckle up like a movie trailer. Mm-hmm. And he just kept living. Like he just kept, he just kept on living. And he was not well. He was very sick. He went through three rounds of chemo. But he somehow had the both the healthcare and like the will and perseverance to keep going. And, uh, um, but it was still like that. So he lived for like eight to nine years after the diagnosis. But even so during that period, every single year he was in the hospital a lot. Um, I spent like every holiday in the hospital during that time. Mm -hmm. And every single year, the doctors would all sit my family down and say like, this is it. He's going to die. This is it. And at a certain point, five years in, I was like, nah, he's not. Yeah. (laughs) This is a fun prank you're pulling on my family. And then when it, but when it was really happening, it was very obvious. Like you could tell the difference, I guess. Yeah. So he died then at 20 after a very long battle with cancer. Yeah. How did, uh, and during this time, is your mom like still, she's like in the the throes of being, of, of addiction? Yeah, pretty much. She, it would be, we, she went to rehab a couple times during that. And, you know, there would be like a month period of normalcy, maybe. I mean, normalcy for us was like watching my sickly father, you know, die. (laughs) That was mine without having the drug addict part. I was like, finally, a break. My dad's just dying. Yeah. Yeah. It was not fun. (laughs) Oh, man. How do you feel? How did that, influence you as a person as like a young person growing up oh man it is so wild that I am just now seeing so much of it because 
and after my mom died, basically, like that's when I'm really able to pull out and see so much. Um, but it just, we really had no parents. My dad was too sick to parent us. And my mom was in, in, in denial, like about our living situation a little bit. And my mom was really in the throes of addiction. And so my siblings and I, I have a brother, an older sister and a younger brother, and we just completely parented ourselves. But we also did not let, we didn't want the rest of our family to know as bad as it was because we knew we would get taken away. Like it was, we had already had CPS called on us before. And so that was in our little kid brains of like, okay, let's just like act like everything's okay in front of people and keep it together and, you know, like not bring mom around family. And so it was as a human for me, personality wise, I see it now in, I like crave words of affirmation Got it. so deeply. I just didn't get that. And I see, um, I also crave like authority approval. Like if I have a bot in my whole life, if any of my bosses are ever upset with me, I'm just immediate sobbing. And I'm a very strong willed person, mm-hmm. but I see those areas. I'm like, oh, it's because I didn't have, like, I didn't have guidance as if there was no adults in my life guiding me. And I wanted one so bad that now when a boss is mad at me, I'm panicking, like yeah. pure panic. I need um, a little more of that. I like, I'm not great with authority. I'm like, fuck you. They're like, don't do that. And I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to do it times 10 now, you stupid bitch. Like, I'm way, I'm like way the other. I got um, my own issues and it has caused me to be the opposite of that, which I would like more. Yeah. I would like a little bit yeah, more of what you got. I'll, I'll share it. If you want to bottle it up, I'll we'll send it to each other like perverts when we're sending each other panties on the internet. I'll be like, here's my my bottled insecurity literally i would love to sell my panties on the internet i don't think people <laughs> would buy them and also i don't know how to advertise there's so many th- like it's like it feels like another career that i can't, I can't take on another career path but if i could yes. selling my panties would be one of them would hey, you do, would you sell your panties or no side yeah. sell it i would sell anything to make more Me money too. and not have to work so much that's not a an indication of us it's a symptom of our society and also our open mind of one one thousand percent i know somebody who sells her shit and for like a couple grand isn't that insane yeah and she sells it to a dude who fucking eats it oh my god (laughs) i know i can't but then again i'm like guys are so fucking stupid if i could if if you're gonna fucking buy my fucking shit idiot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I would be a t- they would never want to work with me in that capacity because like my shit is so irregular they'd be like Holly where's your package and I'm like I don't know I was just four days <laughs> I feel I already feel bad as it is don't make me feel worse yes. the stress <laughs> is causing it <laughs> yeah, I, so I can't explore that side hustle but hey maybe uh panties we'll find out uh yeah 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 uh, okay, well, how did – I love how we're just jumping around to joke. This is my favorite type of podcast is when we can, like, joke about fucking selling our shit in panties and then go yeah. back to talking about dead parents, uh, you know. That's my life. That's, that's life, baby. <laughs> panties and parents. Uh, <laughs> how did – because – okay, so when you were talking about, like, CPS and stuff, it reminded yeah. me of um, – I interviewed a friend of mine who – 
um, was living in the States at, like illegally. And she was very scared all the time about mm-hmm. um, like the government coming and sending her back to like her, you know, where she was born. And she was talking about how it affected her like fear in life because she grew up with this fear of somebody coming and taking taking away her life. Is that something uh-huh. that like you felt at all with the CPS? I mean, it sounds like it only maybe happened once or whatever, but like yeah, what type did of fear it- did you have? Because you're living with the fear of, is my dad yeah. going, how, how long is my dad going to live? What's the deal with my mom? What's the deal with the mm-hmm. other families? Like CPS, my brother, you know, like how did that manifest for you? I remember, I, I think I now know what it is, but as a kid, I fully remember so many moments where I felt like out of body and I would look around at life because it was it was so heavy and I was you know 12 or whatever and I just remember vocalizing to my my siblings like is our life a movie because it doesn't feel real and I think that was my only survival mechanism of compartmentalizing when I would go to school and be like putting on a face and getting good grades. Like I was, we were all very good students because we knew that was something we could control. And, but then I would go home and I think I would disassociate a little of like, this doesn't feel real. It can't be real. This can't, I knew it wasn't right. You know, even though I grew up and that's all I knew, I, there's a lot that I still knew. Like I see my other friends and this is not how they're living. Um, but now I think it's translated in just a general, a fear, but not a fear of like someone coming in and taking me away from my life, a fear of, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say it other than it's like hopelessness, mm. like constant. I just, I had no indication as a kid that things would ever get better. They, every single time something got remotely better, something came along that was 10 times worse. And it's kind of continued out through my life still. And so when something happens and somebody ever comes to me and is like, it'll get better, it'll get better. I, I with I have no knowledge and no precedent that it will. So there is nothing in my brain or body that is going to believe you. And it makes people very mad and it makes people want to like blanket label me as like a pessimist or, you know, like, Lots of people love to live their lives thinking that if they're, if they're positive, then things happen positively, which that could be your reality because that happened for you. But it did not matter what happened in my life when I was a kid and how I viewed things, nothing got better. So I have no, like nothing to leave. I can't look at life like that. I've, I've, I've tried to retrain my brain. If something bad happens, I literally don't ever think it's going to get better. And I, I live with that. It's really, it's really heavy. That is really heavy. And I also, I relate, I relate to that. I, I would say that I'm a pessimist, not to say that you are, but like, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. like when you go through shit, like, of course, that's how you feel, you know, how did that affect you? Like with success, is there like a fear of being successful because you don't want it taken away or like even with your relationships, like, is there a fear of like intimacy for that reason? Or, I mean, you're engaged. So I, I, I honestly, this is so wild. You're catching me this time. I've just had these realizations. Like I am not, I never thought this about myself, but I'm not the most touchy feely person. I always thought like once I'm in a relationship, I love to kiss, I love to cuddle, blah, blah, blah. 
but I always knew with my friends, I'm not a very touchy feely person. I don't, I'll hug you, but I'm not like, let's link arms and run around. It's, mm-hmm. I have to intentionally think to do that. I can't naturally do that. And same with my relationships. Like I'm not somebody that if we're sitting on the couch, I'm going to sit by you and cuddle you. But I, I still am obsessed with my fiance. Right. <laughs> and I know that's because growing up, I like, I li- I had none of that. We did not have any affection, any love in that sense. And so I'm trying to build it now. And it's, it's hard. I didn't even know I was like that until this year. Yeah. Like, what oh, are, I, what are ways that you are working on that? I, therapy? I, just, I, I did for a really long time. And then okay. I had a bad, and then my therapist, I felt like was judging me. I <laughs> so that. I left. I hate yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I've heard some people with like the weirdest therapy experiences. And I'm like, you guys, I swear it's not all like this. You just have to like find a, the right one for you. It's like fucking dating, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But yeah. And, and they're fucking expensive. Dude, they're so fucking expensive. And like, who has the time? This sounds It sounds so bad. But when you're really looking at your life, because a lot of people say, well, you have, you have to make time, Holly. Like if I ever post online about how busy I am and like, oh, I haven't been able to do anything for myself in like three months. Ha ha ha. LOL. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's always how I say it. And then I'll inevitably get some DMs from people that are like, self-care is important. You have to make time for yourself, Holly. And unfortunately, when you're in the position of like, you live your life in a more like, I don't know, pessimistic, realistic zone, you, by you coming back to that person, that's like toxic positivity. Like you got to make time for yourself. What I want to say is how I can't life is too fucking busy. I literally can't make time for myself. So thanks for like telling me that I'm still making me feel like I'm doing something else wrong. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I hate that. I hate when people go like, Oh, you have to make the time. Self-care is important. If I could, I fucking would dude. Yeah. It's like (laughs) no shit. Yeah, totally. This is like not the same thing, but like some of the other day was like, you should stop biting your nails. And I was like, yeah, no fucking shit, man. Of course. (laughs) Of course. You think I haven't tried? You think I haven't gotten the fucking shit that you put on there that tastes like shit? It's like, you know, it's just fucking people. people yeah. Like, Don't Do they think it. that you sit there and you look at your nails and you go, mm, yum, 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 yum. Yeah. And then yum, you yum, yum. eat a them like a, a corn cob. Yeah. yeah. A little snack for me. And they look so great now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. uh, so like, how are you like prioritizing I do go to therapy, I should say. Yeah. I do go to, fa- I do, I go to family therapy. So cool. with my siblings and cool. it's awesome highly recommend doing something like that. Like honestly, any level at which you've experienced things in life, you know, if the worst thing that's ever happened to you is that your like childhood dog died and your brother fucking talks shit about that dog. Like that sounds bad for me to say that that's not huge in the grand scheme of things in my life. Still go to therapy. You'll fucking figure it out. It'll be great. It'll be great. So we, we started going a little over a year ago when my mom first relapsed and uh, it was just instrumental to us continuing to have a relationship because we were all on very different pages about the relapse. So we had to. Interesting. And are you comfortable talking about anything with that? Yeah. Yeah. Like I I haven't talked to anybody who's done like family therapy before. And I find that like super interesting. And I don't know why I haven't even thought of doing that myself. It's like we 
I feel like our society prioritizes like romantic relationships so much and they're like, oh, couples therapy, but like family therapy is not talked about very often. And same with like friendships too, or like when friendships end, like the ending of a friendship is just as hard or harder than a romantic relationship. And we don't talk about that really either. So like this family therapy concept is so interesting and sounds so Mm -hmm. helpful. It's awesome. My therapist, our therapist is named Holly, which I feel like the favorite, not to brag. Immediate, immediate favorite. That's my name. If anybody can put that together. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, we just started going. And so my, my little brother was a lot younger than my sister and I, my sister and I were a year and a half apart and we were best friends growing up. My brother is six years younger than mm. me. And so growing up, there was that age gap and he was so young when all this was happening. When my dad died, he was 14. And so the period in which my dad was dying over eight, nine years, and my mom was on drugs during that time, he was like, you know, eight, seven, very young, does not remember as much as my sister and I do. And we intentionally shielded him from a lot. And so come the relapse, my instinct, which I'm the like, fighter type person in my family, um, which often gets pegged as a black sheep, also me. (laughs) Once the relapse happened, I immediately was like, I'm done. I don't want to talk to her anymore. I can't have her in my life. Like we, we've, we've been through so much for her to do this again is insane. My sister was teetering towards that, but also struggling greatly with it. So I was very done. I can't talk to you anymore. My sister struggled, eventually stopped talking to her. My brother was like, I have to talk to her. I have to help her. And essentially did all the things my sister and I did when we were in our teen years, trying to save her, you know, thinking we can be the one that like makes her not an addict, blah, blah, blah. And so us being on all those different levels of boundaries and what we're willing to give was like, I was worried that I would not talk to my brother anymore because I was home. I'd be so mad at him for enabling quote unquote, my mom, you know? Yeah. And so family therapy was the only way we could like go and talk about these things. And then I was able to like calm myself enough to listen. And that's just really hard to do when you don't have a mediator and totally your life is imploding. Yeah. 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 Did it was like um, Al-Anon ever a thing that you guys did or no? Um, I mean, as a kid, not really. We couldn't have gone if we, sure, yeah. we didn't have a way to get there. Um. And not as a kid. Yeah. As a kid, it's like not even on you, you know, like you're a fucking kid. Right. I, I want to go really bad. I have not, I've been to one meeting and it's, I want to go. Like it's, I want to go to connect and like, you know, hear a story or two where I'm like, yes, me too. Mm -hmm. That's how I'd react to if I'm at Alan. I'm like, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) They kick me out. But I, I just, again, like, time 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 Mm -hmm. it is so hard to prioritize these things that I want I need to secure my long-term happiness when like in the short term I'm so desperate to be like short-term happy Mm -hmm. that I will I'll prioritize going to a concert over going to uh, you know Al-Anon because in my brain I'm like I'm not ready I think I'm just I'm allowing myself to like do it when I'm ready and I'm just not life is so hard. I need to go see a fucking 
emo band and scream that's what i mean oh yeah man like and also like that is there like that is therapy too it's just like not talk therapy you know it's just a different a different outlet but like i totally relate to that um yeah yeah well whose like idea was it to go to family therapy i think my sister's smart i'm pretty sure yeah probably my sister's i mean it was honestly we were all very on board so i know that it's not the same case you know not every family is like yes let's go to family therapy because so many families would be like i don't need that how dare you make me feel like i'm bad yeah Uh, oh oh you just want to sit there and tell me how much i ruined your life and yeah it's like no i just want to like like make sure you know i love you and that when we fight it's okay (laughs) i do feel like a lot of people feel like fighting equals bad when it's really just like no we're like communicate in my in my opinion it's like no i'm just like telling you how i feel it's like people want to like walk around just perfectly on the same page all the time right you know and it's like well that's someone's not speaking up or something you know Mm -hmm. it's so indicative of like um to me like a person's childhood if they do or don't like conflict and why they think their route of not liking conflict is more superior to yours of like mine as well which is I love to fight because I loved conflict I fucking love conflict um if you see me on the street start swinging I'll swing back (laughs) (laughs) I love conflict but I also am aware that like the word conflict it does not always mean something negative so if I say I like conflict it's because I enjoy getting to that stage after the conflict so much that I'm willing to go through it in order to get there yes whereas I think a lot of people are so scared to even start and they just they don't that they don't even have the knowledge of what it feels like after but I I love conflict I am all for it you know, just do it in a healthy way if you can, you know. Yeah, you have to go, I did go tell through you it. To... Wait, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I said do it in a healthy way, but I did just tell somebody, I told your audience to come fight me on the street. So that's that healthy. What, do you, not... what are you talking about? That's super healthy. <laughs> you don't just go fight people randomly on the street. God, you really need to prioritize your health, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a support group for fighters? <laughs> um fuck I don't remember what I was gonna say but like yes it's you like have to go through it to get to the other side and people just don't even want to go through it but it's like I guess when you've been through hard shit you're not afraid to go through hard shit maybe not at all like when I think about the I have I recently you mentioned like a friend breakup you know over the pandemic I had a friend my best my best friend like friend broke up with me essentially but she ghosted me and was unwilling to talk about our issues and she when I was like no let's talk about this like I don't know what the issue is let's let's get into it she was like oh it's so exhausting you always want to talk about things and I'm just like yeah I'd rather do that than let go of a whole friendship but her brain was I don't I kind of lost my train of thought here actually when I really when I really stop and think about what I'm trying to say I don't remember what I'm saying yeah (laughs) but like I I get we were talking about like going through it to get to the other side like when you deal with difficult stuff yeah you're like not afraid to do deal with difficult stuff yeah like to me I watched my father die so coming to you and saying let's talk about this thing you're mad at me about so that we don't lose our whole friendship is pretty fucking minuscule and if you come to me and you go like, oh, like, that's so exhausting. I don't want to do that. 
then you've lived a really privileged life. Like in my opinion, if you, people that avoid conflict, there's two routes. You can be survival mode. I had to avoid conflicts because my home was so chaotic and I just didn't want any more, or I didn't have a lot. And I don't recognize that I didn't have a lot of conflict that in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I totally see that. When, Mm -hmm. when you started um, family therapy, was that before your mom passed or after? Yeah, it was before she passed. It was before. Um, so you already had like kind of that system in place, I guess, for when that happened. Yes. Yeah. And so that's also something that like lots of people start therapy after their relationship is kind of doomed or they start um, therapy after their parent dies, which is obviously still beneficial. But there is something else to be said of like when you're already in therapy and then something tragic happens, you don't have to explain your whole life story to get to the like that up to speed because that part's exhausting and when you're going through it you don't want you don't have time to do that mm-hmm. so already having her know everything she it was very helpful to come in and then just be able to talk about the grief and not like why I'm having certain types of grief or you know she understood our relationship with our mom and that was really helpful yeah grief is just it's so hard to comprehend. I mean, with having loss like this in such like an exponential way, like how has that affected your view on life and on death mm-hmm. and on grief and like the universe? Like I feel like all of these, at least for me, mm-hmm. when I when when I had someone close to me die, it was like, you know, the the skies, you could have been like the sky's not blue anymore. You know what I mean? It's just like the the shit is upside down. And yeah. so I'm just like curious on like your views maybe before and now on like life and death or maybe, yeah, just like your thoughts on it. You know, the, I don't know if my views have changed that much, maybe because I already had my dad die. And then I think my views now are also adapting to like our current economic climate as well. And so I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like, I'm not, I'm not even going to fucking try to save money because you never know when someone's going to die. You never know when you're going to lose it all. I just want to have fun. I just, when I am not working a hundred jobs to try to make it in this industry, I am not saving my money because I'm going to go do something with it. And I don't care what that looks like. Like things are different. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up with money. And so I don't know what it's like to be able to save it. Plus, you can't save anymore. So what's the point? We don't, we're not going to get a pension. We're not going to get 401ks or retirement or anything. So I think I'm just now just living at a place where it's like, let me just get from uh, point A to point D. And like point D is a fun activity that I get to look forward to or a fun like weekend getaway because everything else is too hard. And I can't, I can't think long-term. That's probably it is I do not think long-term at all. But which is like the thing I think that is the most beneficial thing you can do is to like think in the moment and live in the moment. I think it's really hard for most people to live in the moment and to do things that are fun, you know, because we're always so worried about the future. I mean, I feel like I have a hard time like living in the moment, you know, I do. I do also have a really hard time living in the moment, like in the moment of enjoy but I think that's the psychotomy of I'm so used to bad things happening 
that when I am doing the thing that I've been looking forward to, say I'm going to that concert that I've been looking forward to for months, I'm at the concert and then at the concert, I'm like, oh no, this is going to end. This is yeah. going to end. <laughs> this concert's so going to end. I, I need the concert in order to get through the period in which the concert, I bought the tickets to when the concert is happening. But I'm honestly sometimes not enjoying the things as much. It's it's just right now what I have to do to survive. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Do you do you try to always have like some something to look forward to? Yes, a hundred percent. Okay. To the point where my fiance is like, slow the fuck down. Like, like what do you have? <laughs> like, what's on your agenda coming up? <laughs> I mean, tonight I'm going to see Into the Woods. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm so excited. Uh, but like next Wednesday, I'm going to, I, I, we have probably like five concerts lined up for the summer, which doesn't feel like a lot, but when you work a nine to five job, also do stand up comedy at night, you're like, I got one free night a week and I'm not relaxing. Yeah. Wait, what's next so week? I, um, I'm next week. I'm going to see Jimmy world. I'll be there, baby. I will Shut be the there. Baby. Are you serious? Oh, hell yeah. Have oh, you seen tight. them before? I've seen them like eight times. I was going to say, yeah. Okay, me too. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Okay, You cool. said next well, Wednesday and I, I was like, I bet I know what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's so yeah. funny. I I like you even more <laughs> than I already did because you like good music. Uh, um, that's one thing I, I, well, you think it's good. Other people are like, can you, this is, why are you listening to people screaming? And I'm like, fuck you, get out of here. Uh, yeah. uh, that's like my, you guys listen to like meditation music. I like to listen to screamo. I know. Um, and I would say the same thing for like, why do you listen to Taylor Swift write songs about characters from movies? I don't, I don't I'm get good. it. I don't get I'm that good. whole thing. I don't understand it. And I, people can come at me if you want. I don't get it. Yeah. I'm the exact same way. I feel bad saying this, but I judge somebody if they're a hardcore Swifty. But mm-hmm. I judge them the same way I would judge somebody that's a Disney adult because I like Disney, but I'm not fucking going three times a week. Like you have a you're a different person than me if you're able yep. to go to Disneyland three times a week and like all you think about is the merch that's dropping and all these things. And same for Taylor Swift. If you spend eight hundred dollars to go to a Taylor Swift concert. I, I just think we're different people and I don't think we're going to get along. Yeah, I feel you know? the same way. Like, I'm like, I don't hate you. Like, I don't think that yeah. you're, you, I really like people who love, who are passionate about a thing. I think that's so cool. That thing is not me. That's not for me. And I don't know yeah. what we're going to agree on. I do feel like Disney adults might be, are they the same? Is there overlap with Swifties and Disney adults or no? Oh my God. Is there a study? Do we need to start we one? We need to look it up because then I go, okay, well, what about the Nightmare Before Christmas adults? Because I feel like that is also a genre, which may, obviously that feeds into like the Disney adults, but like where like their whole personality is like Nightmare Before Christmas. I feel like mm-hmm. that's a category I- too. I am like, I'm not here to like shame anybody for what they love, but I think if you're consumed with something to that degree, you're kind of maybe ignoring something else in your life. That's just maybe. Sure, sure, (laughs) sure. Yeah. And also Taylor Swift is like, I could be, oh my God, imagine. I I could be Taylor Taylor Swift. (laughs) Taylor Swift fans would, I think I will, I think I'm going to get like poop in the mail and it won't be from your friend. It'll be from Taylor Swift fan. I, I genuinely like. I don't, I'm not impressed by people like Taylor Swift, probably because she was, she was born rich. Oh, was I, she? 
Yeah, homegirl yeah. was born born rich, got to pursue her art for a very long period of time, and now she's a master at her craft. Like, duh, she is. Right. Who who's to say so many other people you love couldn't do that? So I guess I don't find her the like pinnacle of uh, impressiveness that other people do. Right. Because in my head, I'm like, she got to be there from privilege, though. Sure. You know. But Swifties, like, are intent. Like, they do scare me. I am fearful of them because they, like, are fucking hardcore. I know. You know? Like, yeah. They're, Taylor Swift is out here making basic bitches get tattoos. I'm like, whoa. What do they say? Do we know what they say? They're song lyrics, I, probably. I've just, I've seen a couple people get, like, I don't I don't even know what the tattoos are. It's, like, butterflies on a sparrow's wing. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I, made, I made that up. <laughs> I don't know. No, that sounds accurate. That sounds about right. Uh, God, we're going to get fucking shit I on know. for this. I know. I could talk about <laughs> I'm going to change the subject just so that okay. our, we don't get death threats. Um, good idea, uh, good idea. Uh, okay, so how – can I just be, like, super blunt and be like, what do you think happens when you die? Yeah. Oh, man. Honestly, I don't think I've – I'm a – I think your energy transfers – that's the only way I can rationalize anything, I think, or the only thing I've ever thought, which is not being put, I'm not putting a lot of thought into this. Sure. I think, sometimes I think I've told myself that because I've had what I think is incredibly bad luck in life. Um, I think I think if there's an, uh, a being in this world, I don't believe in God, I don't, I'm not a religious person, but if there is one, part of the reason I don't believe in them is because I feel like they gave me everything I need to succeed. And they're like, let's make her cute. Let's make her funny. Let's make her tall. Let's give her great boobs. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's make her smart and self-aware. But I I can't, like, they, I feel like the universe is like, but let's also give her every problem you can give a human and see what happens. Okay, go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that probably sounds conceited, but it's just like coming from a place of the only thing, the only kind of confidence I have is I'm confident about myself. I'm just so not confident about life. Mm. Like I think I'm cool, yeah. but I don't think life likes me very much. Yeah. Yeah. I always like, it's so interesting. Like when people lose somebody close, it does seem like they either are hardcore. Oh, there's an afterlife or hardcore. Oh, there's for sure not an afterlife. And I always, I just think it's an interesting conversation to have with anybody, yeah. whether you experience loss or not. I, I, yeah, a lot of people will like to then start seeing their, you know, family member in like butterflies or, you know, a sign right. that's being presented to them. And, and I honestly, I'm so happy for people when they can have that. I just, my brain can't do that. I can't, you know, see a, a duck and be like, my dad, yeah. <laughs> I just can't do it. Even if he loved ducks, I can't think of it that way because I feel like things, yeah, I think when things are just like bad for too long, you are it's very hard for you to take that bad and like turn it into a positive you kind of just want to start making new positives yeah yeah that's true it's also like so hard for anybody to like grasp death because it's like hey guess what gonna happen to everybody gonna happen to all of us like and people like don't want to think about that which like I get I always feel like it's probably like an evolutionary thing so that we can't really grasp the concept of death because that would mean we wouldn't be able to like survive and evolve and all of that oh yeah you know yeah 
Wait, what are your what are your thoughts? Do you? I'm sure you've. I'm sure a guest has asked you, but what are your thoughts? Probably the same thing, like that that you think. Like I, I'm more of the kind of thought that like, how could we know anything about anything given like the expansiveness of the universe? And like, I just don't. I can't say anything for certain because it's like shit that we thought was a hundred percent. It's the world is definitely flat. And then like, we have just such a shift, you know, and and now everybody thinks something different, like new things just keep coming out. And so it's like, how could you know? I don't like poo poo anybody's anything because Mm -hmm. I'm like, sure. That, that could be possible. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the same with like astrology stuff too. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe like, sure maybe that's me maybe I'm a bitch because I'm a Capricorn like okay I'll rock that like it's fine with me (laughs) or maybe it's because I like of trauma I don't know maybe it's both (laughs) are you like an astrology person I'm not but the same way I I kind of like I like observing other people use it because same thing I'm like yeah tell me something cool about myself or tell me like why I had a bad day that's fine I'll I'll take it a little bit I just I do remember though one of my friends who is very religious was like shitting all over her sister to me, venting to me um, about, and she is not my friend anymore. She's the friend that friend up me so I can talk about it and oh, not worry yeah. <laughs> that yeah. she'll listen on to a podcast. But she would, um, I remember her like trashing her sister, her, lo- her love for astrology and for like rocks and crystals. And I'm standing there thinking, what are you talking about? Like, how can you shit on somebody else looking for meaning in something? You do that all the time. And it's the, to be the religious person on that side of that coin, the having the judgment towards the person that's into crystals and healing therapy like that, it feels extra just like, okay, so it's not that you want everyone to believe one thing you just want or believe everything. You just want her to believe what you believe because you don't like what she believes. Like, right. I don't know. I, it's the, the layers of people that are religious or not religious judging but believing in something and then getting judging about somebody else <laughs> oh yes. my god it's I just, just like I just barked so- in my own mouth because I can't talk straight yes you can it's just like life is so hard as it is so it's just like yeah mm-hmm. does that make you crystals make you feel good fuck yeah man you yes. buy those crystals all damn day life yes. is hard uh yeah what do you do like is, do you have like any sort of routine or daily anything to like keep you sane or keep you moving forward or keep you in the moment? Honestly, so when my mom, before my mom died, we had, she had two dogs that I helped raise. I lived with my mom for a very long time, like partly because like, duh, it helps in LA to not have to pay full rent somewhere. But we were very scared she was going to relapse when all of us were out of the house. And so I definitely lived with her for a little longer. I'm so glad I did. Like I got to like see her at her best moments. She became my best friend. You know, I'm so grateful for that experience. And then also she got, we got her a dog thinking that when we did leave, that would help her have something to take care of. And then um, she then loved, he found another dog. So she ended up having two dogs. I helped raise both of them. I felt very connected to them. And when she relapsed, um, she could not take care of these animals anymore. And so we had to rehome them. And I have one of them. And one of my close friends has the other. And like, 
that has just been such a, a bittersweet, but like such a blessing to like every day. Okay. I wake up, I have to walk the dog. I will get outside. Like no matter what I'm going to be outside is such a small, but helpful thing when you're sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I relate to that's, that. That's been life-saving to like have a dog to give me some sense of normalcy because I got to take care for this little guy and he's so cute. He's so cute and I'll do anything for him. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because like I split. So I don't, I've got my dog with like my ex-husband who we are no longer together. And so we trade the dog off and it's so interesting. Like the week that I have, have the dog versus the week that I don't. And like, <gasps> yeah. it's so it, like, it, there's so many pros and cons for each, but it's like, yeah, it's nice to be able to sleep in sometimes, but also those mm-hmm. some of those days I won't if I don't have the dog if I don't have a reason to leave the house I'm not leaving the house versus when mm-hmm. I have the dog like I have to I'm out doing three or four mm-hmm. walks a day so yeah it's definitely definitely changes your the, the way you move through the rest of the day if you if you're starting the day like outside yeah I don't recommend like getting an animal because you're going through something sure but to have that animal is gonna help you it's, yeah it, I so I'm very grateful for that and then definitely my my partner is like, just like the best. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm so, yeah. I know. I'm so sorry. You just talked about your ex-husband and oh, I'm over here matter. like, I'm in love. No, dude. I lo- <laughs> That's great. I, that's amazing. Also, we're, me and him are great friends and still like work together and stuff. Oh, so it's no, that's so great. it's no, it's no, th- no big deal. Um, but, yeah. but how, yeah. How do you keep your relationship, um, in the right place? Like, is mm-hmm. it, do you have to like work? I guess like obviously the relationships require work, but like, how do you keep yeah. it moving in the right path? Um, I gen, I think, uh, I, I mean, I, I think we're soulmates, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that my life as a child made me so conflict, um, oriented like very and communication oriented that at the stage in life, like I met him when I was 20, we started dating when I was 26. And so at that stage, uh, I felt like a far superior communicator than I should have been not superior. Mm -hmm. That sounded so condescending. Like I just felt like really good at communicating. That was something I was very confident about. Right. And so starting this relationship with someone that I immediately, okay, we're in love. Like I'm so into this person. I was overly communicative to him and he did not like it at first I think like there were some butting heads of like our communication styles but being very honest with my communication style was like the most healthy thing because mine is not easy it's a lot you know I'm very like let's talk about this okay let's sit down and talk about this yeah me too a lot of a lot of couples that I know don't do that and so I think it was helpful to just lead with the truth of my and I don't think I could have done that had I not had such a hard childhood yeah so communication, and then communication and maybe. he's just he goes to therapy he's like um it just very we're very similar um people but just had different communication styles so I think once he realized that we're so similar and it's like oh okay she really wants to talk to me all the time about this problem but I get we just always ended up at the same space because we forced that communication so yeah. we just we don't ignore shit we talk about everything yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what, I think that's what you, you got to do. Um, did, yeah. did parenting yourself, like, it seems like you had to be an adult really early 
in life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did that, how did that like manifest for you as an actual adult? Like, I guess it's like you have great communication mm-hmm. skills. Mm-hmm. Like what else, like, can you think of other mm-hmm. things that that like caused in your personality? I really like being taken care of. (laughs) I am not a nurturing person. The only thing I will nurture is my dog. Like I am not, I do not have that bone in my body. And I don't know if it's one that you're born with or if it's one that you get from, um, you know, watching someone else do it, but I don't have that at all. And so my, that's another part I think of why my relationship works so well is my partner's love language is like acts of service and like doing things. And I, I just feel like that's the only time in life that I feel like I have somebody I want that's ever in my life that's wanted to take care of me. And he does that. And it's awesome. So, yeah. 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 Love language is so important. Like, it's so, Mm -hmm. like, stupid, but also so important. Oh, yeah. Because whenever anybody says, like, love language, I'm like, that's stupid. But then I'm like, no, that's 1,000%. Like, it's so fucking true and helpful to know each other's love languages oh yeah do you do you know your love languages um yes I took like this updated quiz I'm like I love taking those stupid fucking quizzes it's like (laughs) my my entire personality is taking quizzes uh (laughs) it like zaps Uh, you back to 2006 when you're on the computer yeah you're just like you know what yeah which sailor moon am I I need to totally I have to know this (laughs) Um, I think mine is um, quality time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't need, I don't need words of affirmation. In fact, like I get annoyed by it. I'm like, okay, what? all right, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So I guess we could never. Me and you could never date because I wouldn't be giving you the words of affirmation you need. What if? What if I hung up? What if I just ended the call? <laughs> <laughs> I could actually. I do. I can give them. I'm much better at giving them than receiving them. When I when I receive them, I'm okay. like, okay, chill. You calm down. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would much rather like spend time with somebody. Uh, yeah, but I'm fine with giving it. So that's fine. Just don't tell me I'm great. Let me tell you that you're great. Why do you uh, think that is? I'm so I curious. I love this I don't this know. Shit. I'm sure it has something to do with uh, not. I'm sure it has to do with like the fact that growing up, I like didn't have quality time with mm-hmm. with parents, with with my dad specifically. And like, I don't talk to him anymore. I mean, like we're like mm-hmm. no contact. So I'm sure. I mean, everything when you think about it, I'm like, mm, yeah, it boils down to like childhood and like how you grow up, you know, like it's parents. Really? Always. Sure. Always. Always. And so I think like because I grew up with a narcissist, they're great at giving those words of affirmation, but there's no substance to them. There's nothing oh. beneath them. And so it's oh. like you then I'm like, OK, well, I don't believe you. I think it's more of like an I don't believe you. So show yes. me with quality time because I don't believe these words. I think it's probably that. Yes, that makes so much sense. Right. Right. Uh, okay. So as we wrap up, um, sorry, I'm taking you over the hour. I apologize. Um, uh, my last question, my last question for you is if someone is experiencing a low point right now in Mm -hmm. their life or a challenge, um, what advice or like any words of wisdom would you give them? I would say do not reject help at all. Um, and ask for help. Uh, I know it sounds so, that sounds very broad, but I, 
I'm so bad at asking. I'm very good at asking for help, like at a Target. I did, I don't. My fiance will wa- walk around the Target for an hour and then be like, "I guess I can't find it." And whereas I'll go in within minutes, find somebody that works there, and be like, "Where's this thing? I don't want to look." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know. So I'm really good at asking for that kind of help. For but for asking for help that in any way and feels like an emotional burden on somebody, I'm so bad at. Mm. And so. I had to like force myself to do that and just straight up tell my friends, like, I'm not okay. Um, I, oh, oh gosh, I have a better one. Besides asking for help is tell people what you need. And because when I'm in asking for help, like part of that process is like, people don't know people perspective is a real thing and people's never experienced loss or something like that. They will have no clue how to help you they're going to revert to how they think whatever is easiest for them. Not necessarily like, like when, after my mom died, you get a lot of, I'm so sorry. I'm here. If you need anything, I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. If that's coming from someone that's never lost somebody, because you would know, I'm not going to come to you if, if you say you're here for me, because that's giving me an extra task of, having to tell you exactly every little thing I need. So find those trusted people and do that. Tell them, Hey, this is what I need from people. And then they'll help spread the word. Does that Mm, make sense? Like, totally. I, I told my friends, like, I don't want people saying those kinds of things. Like just be brutally honest take the moments where you're low and people see that if people recognize that part of you, that is your opportunity to help educate them about whatever it is you're going through. Like, don't just pretend it's not happening because then you're never going to get what you need from that person. So look at your friend and say, please don't ask me to let you know if I need something, it'd be more helpful if you thought of something that I might like to just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Yep. So totally. Yeah. It's like just the, 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 you have to teach people how you want to be treated thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You can't expect anybody to, to know what you want. And also people are, they don't, they're scared. People are scared to help you when you're sad or depressed. That's like why they do that. It's a self shield to be like, I, I, oh my God, I'm, I'm here. If you need anything at all, I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, here, let me send you flowers. Like as if you're the only person in the world that's sending me flowers, you know, it's all these steps that they're checking off because they're scared to like actually go in it with you. And and they don't want to be that they don't want to be where you are. So they don't, they're going to do what they what's easiest for them, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And so helping, I just think it's so crucial to like tell your people in your life, like what to do for you. And then hopefully you'll never have to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I love that. Um, thank you so much for giving me an hour of your time. It it was such a treat to be able to chat with you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back? I'm Rebecca Lee. And if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review, a comment, like it, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this right now. And remember new episodes every Thursday. Take good care of yourself. (laughs) 